When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Leaf Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. All right, James, no time to waste. We have the best in the business, uh, Ray Ferraro, on from ESPN. Congrats, Ray. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Uh, I uh, have enjoyed summer and looking forward to an enjoy it, enjoying it a little more in a couple of days. And, um, you know, once we get to August 1st, going to shut things down for four or five weeks and everybody's healthy and that's i guess that's that's the main thing so ray uh, i saw some some uh leafs fans were saying on twitter that you had some sort of a, a rant or a criticism of what toronto did in on the first day of free agency I, I i didn't manage to catch that part of the broadcast can you recreate uh what your commentary was for us here yeah sure i mean i i don't i mean, I mean we're sitting there for seven hours they you get to the end of the day and they say, how do you think the Leafs did? Well, they certainly didn't hit a grand slam. I mean, it was going to be impossible because they only got a certain amount of cap space. And, you know, they're they're trying to fill three or four significant holes Yep. Um, that every team has. Every Everybody's got them. Everybody's got a little different here, a little, you know, size here, skill there, defense here. And, um, of course, the main or, the you know, the most notable one was was in goal with Freddie Anderson out and Peter Morazic in. And I was asked, uh, uh, James, uh, James Duffy asked me, do I think the Leafs are better in goal than they were with Anderson? And I said, no, I didn't say they were worse. I think they're kind of the same. Yeah. I, I've watched Peter Morazic for 10 years. Um, uh, Peter and my son Landon were teammates in uh, the Calder Cup championship team in Grand Rapids. Um, Peter burst onto the scene. He's just, Young, energetic, athletic, acrobatic goalie. Um, and he's the same thing now. Like wh- what you're going to see from Peter is a guy that he will run hot. I mean, like really hot for a stretch of time. And then all of a sudden there'll be cracks and things in his game. Hmm. And then he's going to have to go backwards for a bit. And then he's going to run hot again. And so when you can't commit the dollars to get the guy that can play 65 games. You can only commit to a guy that's going to, in most cases, you get what you pay for. And so I think Peter's a capable NHL goalie. I don't think he's a starter that can carry the ball long-term, but I think with Campbell and Morazic, you're going to have a goaltending tandem that the coach is going to have to gut feel his way through. Uh, Who's got it? who's hot, who's not, who's shaky, who's better. And it's all going to change. And so I don't think they're better. I don't think they're worse, but I don't, I mean, they had $3.8 million to spend. They didn't have seven. Yeah. So Ray, I'm with you. And and I actually think they are a little worse. Uh, like, I don't know how you can lose Zach Hyman and 
not essentially replace oh, no, him no, today. No, no, but but Jonas, I was just talking. Oh, in goal. This whole thing was just about the goaltending. Okay, yeah, I agree I, with you. I don't you. think they're. I don't think the team's better at all. Yeah, I mean, I, they, you got a whole what Hyman, what Hyman brought to your team. You do not. You have not been able to replace. Yes. And you have to try and replace that because Zach Hyman was a very valuable player. Now, I know we all are going to focus on the 26 goals over 82 games or whatever it's been. But, man, that guy killed every penalty Mm -hmm. for you. And he played with an engine and a tenacity and an effort that isn't always there all the time from from players. Not just in Toronto, but in players like Zach's a, a bit of a unique player. Um, could they pay him that money? No, of course not. Now you've got to go try and find a reasonable facsimile of what he did because he was important to your top players. That I think that's critical. He was, you can't put Ilya Mikheyev there and think he's going to do the same thing. And I quite like Mikheyev, Yep. but they're not the same. They're not the same and they can't be the same. Well, and, and to me, Ray, this kind of gets at a bigger point um, like I, I started to wonder after the year, after the way things ended, whether this can actually work, the, the structure that they have. And now that I look at their team today and, and like, again, it can still change. It can still change after the deadline. I'm even less sure that this can work. Like, I think we, we kind of glossed over the fact that Hyman was, was making nothing and like he was way outperforming his contract and now you lose him and now you can't replace him. And so like, I just wonder where you're at with their structure in terms of sticking with the the four guys. I, like I'm less sure than ever that it, that it can work. And yet I'm also willing to believe that it could work, but I, I just look at the team today and, and it feels like every year it gets a little bit worse. And, and I wonder how is this actually going to work? Not just like in winning a round, but like in winning a cup, because that's the point. Well, I, I would say, um, you know, you brought up you brought up an interesting point, and it kind of kind of sparked me a bit, Jonas. Is that you know you said before the season and the deadline? Um, I think it is critical uh, that they toll as much cap space as they can. So the answer for them is not going to lie in September. It's going to have to it's going to have to show up in March because they're not going to have the cap space now to do what they might be able to do in March. This, the team as it's currently constructed, um, isn't going to be good enough to be in the, in the upper echelon uh, of teams in the NHL. And they, and I think they know that because they've already said, look, we want to add a top six winger. Well, you're not adding one for a bargain basement. That's, that's just not happening. So you, you know, you look back to last year, they're up 3-1. They're in control of a series. Tavares is hurt. Um, they probably win the series if, if John is healthy, but they don't. And then when he's out, the other guys get skunked. So given the way that they're built, two things have to happen. A, they need more support play. And B, it is imperative that those, the Matthews Marners in particular don't get skunked. Because they got skunked at the worst time. When they needed them the most, they got skunked. And that was when Tavares went out because that killed the two-line, two-headed monster that the whole thing is kind of 
is built upon. Like the whole point of having those four forwards is it's really hard to decide who you're going to check. And when Tavares went out, it became a heck of a lot easier. You can't pay $21 million and get no goals. Like you, it just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work in Toronto. It won't work anywhere else. And that's basic. They, they don't have right now because of the way the cap so impacts everything you do. They don't have a lot of options. So the, the, there's really only two. And one was you trade one of those forwards, but that is a, that is a, a bomb into the middle of your, of your plan. That means completely repivoting because you've traded one of those four big guys, or you try to fill in around those four guys again. And that's clearly what they're trying to do. It's a good point, Ray. I mean, they've got around two and a half million dollars space and they've kind of put the note out there to the league that we're still looking for a forward and here's how much cap space we have. And But they don't have a lot to trade. They don't have a lot of cap space. If they wait until mid-season, that two and a half million dollars becomes five million dollars. And if they wait till the trade deadline, that, that five million dollars becomes ten. So, all of a sudden, you could, you know, you could add two impact players if you want at, at the trade deadline. I know you're going to have to give up more draft picks and, and what little prospect capital they have, but that could potentially be the debate here for the Leafs is can we go through the early port? Can we go through training camp and preseason, the early portion of the year and survive with what we have right now in the roster and accrue a whole bunch of cap space and get ourselves to a place we really like by, you know, later in the year. I mean, I look around at the division, you know, Tampa takes some hits. Uh, I think Florida probably gets better bringing in Reinhardt. Uh, Boston, I mean, we'll see, you know, with, with Allmark there and, and Rask out and potentially how good they are. But, uh, and Montreal too. I mean, Montreal losing Weber and it, it, it's going to be really, really interesting to see where the Leafs slot in. You know, I, I think that they need to go into the regular season with the mindset that it really matters and that they need to finish, you know, one or two in that division. Um, uh, but I don't see, know James, if that's going to be possible with what they've got. Okay, so so James, I think that that really becomes the question, though. Are those can those two things that you just talked about be compatible? Can you try and win the division and have the regular season be of utmost importance and accrue cap space? I, I don't know that you can, and I don't know that it's important because if your if your plan is to accrue cap space. The vision would be that the team you're going into the playoffs with will be different than the one that you start the year with. Mm-hmm. And I would be okay with that because I, I, I don't think it, I don't think anybody gives a damn if they win the division, you might get a, a better first round matchup. Sure. But your team's not going to be good enough. I mean, I, I hear the questions of the, of the division of the other teams, but you know, Tampa's still going to be pretty good. I mean, they're going to be pretty darn good. Chances are they're going to win the division. I mean, unless something goes sideways for them. I think Boston did quite well. But I think Tuka Rask is probably as underappreciated a Boston Bruin as there's been in 20 years. Hmm. Like, that guy has been fantastic for them. And can Olmark do that? I don't, I don't know. I mean, eventually those guys are going to, you know, it's not going to work for them. But they always seem to have that Bruin way. The Canadians, I mean, they're, uh, I, 
with a trade of Deno, I'm really curious what they do up the middle of the ice. I mean, you, all of your offense always starts in the middle, and they got two, you know, they got Suzuki and Kotkaniemi, who they don't have answers for yet. Right? So it's it's going to be a, a mixed bag. I, I just think it's critical that the team that starts into that final rush and then into the playoffs, which is right after the deadline, is a, is a different team, a better team than the one that you start the year with. Let me play devil's advocate a little bit and go back to what Jonas said. I mean, Jonas said they're getting worse every year. I mean, I think that the roster that the Leafs had last year is the best that they've had. You know, like they, they took what was wrong with the team in 2019-20. They bring in TJ Brody. The blue line takes another step. You know, it, it, we we were mostly talking throughout the year. You know, Jack Campbell plays really well. Jake Muzzin settles in and plays really well. There, there were a lot of things that went right for them last year. This team for next season is not that different from last year's team. Everyone's down on them because they lost in, in Game 7. And they, they, they look like dogs in that playoff series at the end against Montreal. This is still not a bad team. You know, the, the biggest loss for them is going to be Zach Hyman and trying to fill that by committee or whatever they're going to do here. But... I still think that they're going to be really competitive in this division. Tampa's the best team, but, you know, they took a little bit of a haircut. I, I just think – I feel like the Leafs are going to be competitive with Boston and Florida and Montreal. But and James, we're not saying there's, that. There's, like, we, we agree with you, but I don't know how you can look at their team now and look at the team that they had heading into the playoffs and say that they are the same or better. They're not. Like, we didn't mention Zach Bogosian. Like, they've lost Bogosian, too, who was – dependable they lost Nick Felino, who obviously didn't do much for them because of injuries like they, they're they're thinner up front and this is like this is what the choice is like before we said well they they have too many forwards and they don't have enough good D and now they've taken some of the money that's gone to the forwards and gone to the D and now their forwards aren't as good so like it's a juggling act and to raise point like I don't think we can declare that their goaltending is is better it, it, it might be but it, it also might be well, it might be worse. Anderson was a train wreck. Anderson was a train wreck but, last but year. James, How could he not be better than what happened last year? Well, because year? like, like that, Jack Campbell's a huge question mark, and so is Peter Mrazek. Go ahead, Ray. Sorry. I, I don't know how. I so no, no, not at all. I I don't know. I don't know that after watching Jack Campbell have an amazing year, that I can say with a hundred percent certainty that that is Jack Campbell. Exactly. Like that's the Jack Campbell you get every year. But, like, do we do we think the Leafs' power play is going to shoot? Going to like be five percent for thirty games? Like, I mean, there's 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 things that are going to be better from the team last year too. Every every year, James, things are better, things are worse, right? Like, there's you know that like there's ups and downs to this all the time. Um, but but hear me out on this. So, I scored forty goals twice uh, in my career. I was not a forty goal scorer, but I scored forty goals twice. They were career years. And they're called career years for a reason. Yes. What if that was Jack Campbell's career year? Now you got a real problem. Mm -hmm. To expect him to stop the puck with that consistency and that regularity all the time, that puts him in the very best of goalies in the NHL. And, and I have a hard time believing that's sustainable, just like I think they won't shoot as poorly on the power play. Like uh, two things can be the same or can be true, of course. So I look on balance. I think the Leafs are a good team. I, I don't I don't have any question about that, mainly because the top end of the roster is really good and will drag the holes of the roster along with them. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's 
there, I don't think there's much, shouldn't be much debate about that. In Toronto, the expectation and the hope and the pressure is not to be a good team. It's to be more than that. Like, you're not in the conversation uh, in, in the Toronto fan base of, hey, can our team make the playoffs? At this point, it's like, can this team do something in the playoffs? Can they win a round? Can they go deeper? Can they, like, can they extend their season? Because it's not happened forever. But the expectation is that they should be able to do that. That's, I think, what, what most people are talking about and thinking about with the lease. It's look in Vancouver. I thought Vancouver had an outstanding free agent period for the first time in forever. I mean, they signed like 13 contracts. They rebuilt their farms, uh, their American league team. They now have some depth of guys that can like Justin Dowling and Brad hunt that can play NHL games. They didn't have any of that last year, but the conversation isn't whether the Canucks can win the, the Stanley cup. It's like, can they be a playoff team? And so it's different, even though there's some people that are like, oh, I think this Canuck team can win the division and and maybe they can, but the expectation is different. And I, I think that's, unfortunately, that's just the way it is in Toronto. The, the pressure will be there in particular because they've been so clear of their vision, which is to build around those four forwards and build out from there. This was kind of always the danger with the rebuild is like, do you get stuck where you're, you're a good team, but you're never a great team. And like, like how do uh, they take, how do you take that next step? And I, Jonas, you had a piece, I think a couple of days ago where you, you referenced a quote from Brendan Shanahan going way back. And he said something like, if you're trying to build through free agency every year, you're going to be in trouble because like, look at the prices last year in that, like it, it was a disaster. I think Dom, our, our stats guy said something like out of the 156 contracts, only 13 of them were good. Like there was like there was no way for the Leafs to go into that day and replace Zach Hyman and make their team better because the contracts were all bad. But that's the choice, James. Like that that's part of the choice of like saying two days after the season, we are not going to even look at trading any of those guys. And that's and that's fine. But like there are ramifications for that when you haven't drafted especially well and you don't have, you end up not having a lot of cap space. Like there is a price to pay for this this style of team, is there not, Ray? There is, and that's why you better be successful while you're doing it, because you're blowing out your prospects and you're blowing out your draft picks. You're using them as collateral to move forward, to try and build around this vision of of right now. It is almost impossible to build draft capital and build a great NHL team at the same time. Because there isn't enough cap room, so you've got to trade the future for the now. And if the now doesn't work, then you're screwed because you don't have enough volume of picks um, for some of those picks to be successful and be NHL contributors, right? Like you, if you've got five picks per year, man, each year you lose two cracks at it. And if you're, and if you're down your first and second rounder, a lot of times, well, now it's, even though it might be just two picks per year that you've traded away, it's kind of more because those are the, you know, those are the, the money makers for you. So they're in, they're in a tough spot. Look at the James. Your point can't be ignored. Look around the league, and you you look at some of the contracts that were signed. And I I can't value those players at that dollar figure. Yet if you don't get to that dollar figure, you don't get that player. 
Yep. So this is what this is what a couple of general managers have told me. So you you view a player. He's your number one guy. You have a number two guy and a number three guy in most cases. So your number one guy, he gets to a point in your, you know, where you're like, oh, geez, that's getting up there a little rich. I don't really want to pay that. This is in free agency. So you, you kind of pivot a little bit and you start talking to your number two guy. And for whatever reason, your number two guy says, yeah, I, I, I don't see the fit for me in your with your team. So now you get to your number three guy and you're like, wait a minute. Yep. I don't want to be at the number three guy. He's nowhere near as good as the number one guy. Okay, I'll give the number one guy another half a million a year. And pretty soon you do that a couple of times and you got no cap space. That's where the contract dollars that get handed out matter, even though, you know, should Marner be at 10-5 or 9-5? Well, it matters. Should Matthews be at 11 or 10-5 or whatever the numbers are? Half a million here, 300 grand here. Pretty soon you've you've chewed up a couple of hundred or a couple of million dollars that could be used elsewhere. But if you don't, then you don't get the player. So these the GMs feel in a cappy world, the GMs feel handcuffed and desperate to get the guy they want, even if it costs them more. That's what free agency to me, that's what free agency does to teams. That's where it guts out the, you know, the inside of your team that you can't keep replenishing it because the guys you sign cost too much. Then you have to hope that your draft picks are good enough to play. Like Nick Robertson better play this year. Yeah. Because he doesn't cost any money. Yeah, he's 19. I, I don't think he's ready. No, I don't think he is either. But my point is, like Vancouver got, I'll use Vancouver as an example. Of course, I live here for people that don't know. But like um, Niels Hoaglander came out of kind of nowhere last year and he gave yeah. them really effective play. They have to hope that Vasily Podkolzin does the same thing this year because those guys are on entry-level deals and they don't cost anything or relatively don't cost anything. Yeah. The Leafs need that to be effective. They need Sandine. Maybe Sandine could be a top four guy, and then and then you trade another next D year, then, James. Know, like, like that's aggressive. Well, that's, but what what Ray's saying though is that like Hoaglander surprised and played better than anyone expected, and then yeah. all of a sudden it was like found money for them. Except then they went and signed Tanner Pearson to three and a half million dollars, <laughs> <laughs> right? So like you you can't like if you you can't be half of one and another, you know, half of another. That's that's where I think they've gone wrong. In Vancouver, like I would have traded Pearson at the deadline. I think he's a good player. I would have traded him for an asset. I would have had three and a half million dollars worth of cap space. Could I get a 80% Tanner Pearson for a million and a half dollars? Probably. Or or two million dollars. Good. Now I just saved a million and a half of cap space. Yeah. He's not going to be in your top six. And if he is, you're probably not going to be a really great team. So I'll I'll try and sign that player for two million on my third line. And, and these are decisions that these GMs have to make. And the pressure is enormous on them because even if they feel, even if you backslide a little bit, it starts an avalanche below you. But if you keep them, now you get your nose up against the cap and you're, that's it. This is our team. And man, I hope they're all good because I can't make any moves anyway. Well, so Ray, as a, as a former player, I feel like to, to kind of follow along on your point, you're better position to answer this because one of the things i've been thinking a lot about is like you look around at some of these teams and obviously tampa is like the the big example and they've got all their players all their stars 
taking a little less than they can get for whatever reason. And yet, like, part of me is like, well, for the Leafs, that would be great. And there was a a time when Brendan Shanahan literally said that, like, we're going to need guys basically to take less if they if you if you want to win. And yet I'm also like of the mind that players should get as much as they they can. And if the teams want to give them that, that that's great. They they should make that money. And yet like with Kyle Dubas it's kind of felt like he feels like he needs to be fair and like he wants them to be happy with their contracts. And yet I struggle with the fact like can you win that way? Can you can you win if you're going to pay every guy exactly what they're worth or every key guy, like where do you sit on that whole, I don't know, scale? Um, I, I would caution guys about taking uh, hometown discounts. And the reason I say that, uh, this is a two-part answer. The reason I say that is that there's no guarantee that the haircut you take, the team yeah. is going to use the right way. Yep. Like, so say I give back a half a million dollars. Uh, over a seven-year contract, that's three point five million dollars. But I'm making eight million anyway, and so you know I got enough. If I do that, there's no guarantee that the management is going to use that money judiciously. You might end up with one guy that never helps you, and you're like, wait a minute, why did I do that? And then if you do it, and the next guy doesn't do it, now you're now you're probably pissed off. So I, I would caution against that. But you can't expect if you're a player. To, to push right to the last dollar and then expect your team to have great depth and, oh, we need to go add a forward or we need to add a D because there is no money. It's an incredible balancing act. Tampa, of course, has the advantage of a beautiful place to live, no state tax. Um, there, there, is some, there is some advantage there. But they also have their best player signed at $9.5 million yep. in Nikita Kucherov. So... Who is going to go there and say, yeah, I deserve, well, I got Stamkos too. I'm, I'm sorry. They have Stamkos as, as well. Um, but the, the Kucherov in my mind is a, he's a, he's a ceiling. Who's going to go and say, I deserve more than Nikita Kucherov. Like, how are you going to do that? It's an easier sell because of that. It's also becomes an easier sell because you've won. And guys are like, yeah, I want to, this is fun. I want to keep doing this. Had, had the Leafs grinded just a little bit harder on the two big contracts, guys, they, they might be in a different spot. And, and I don't think it's unfair. I, I, am a, I am a John Tavares fan. I think he's a very good player, like very good. And I think he brings a lot to their team. But when they chose to commit $11 million there, you, you can't undo it. I mean, you've got to build around it now but you chose to commit $11 million there. That's three players. And you, it's, but that's the decision they made. Now you got to make the rest of it work. And so, uh, I, I mean, that, that really is the, the four guys um, there. It's impossible not to look at them and say, they're the answer and the problem. Like they're great players. They're great players, but you've paid half your cap to four guys. You still have to have a team. It's not basketball. You still have to have a team. Like, remember when LeBron took Cleveland to the finals with those four guys that played rec league? <laughs> yeah. It, it was like him and these four other guys. And you're like, <laughs> it was, you're like, you can't do that in hockey. 
you, you don't you don't play enough. You can't impact the game enough. So I, I to go back to where they are, I think it's important that they do the best they can with the dollars they have uh, allotted right now. They toll money as much as they can to get into the past the back half of the or into the back half of the year to the trade deadline. And then you've accumulated cap space and that's where you make your move Uh, because you're going to get a player that is sifted through the first day of free agency or through trade or whatever. And it's going to be someone that you probably aren't jumping up and down for. Why not wait? And I, I think that that might happen. I think that that's what they're thinking about is whether or not they want to. It's going to depend on what comes available here. Uh, Ray, I know we don't have you forever. I, I, one of the things they're trying to do with spending so much money at the top of the lineup is they're trying to find inefficiencies. And I, one of them that they're they're looking at is trying to build a line that is just a really strong defensive line. And that's why they got this David Kampf. I don't know how well you know him, but... The Leafs are excited about him. They think he can be a guy that can play third-line center, play 13, 12, 13 minutes a game, take all the de- defensive zone face-offs and, and really give the other team nothing. Like, Do, do you like that strategy of having a line that's going to be try and be like the, the nothing line? Like, Remember Anaheim had when they won the Stanley Cup with Sammy Paulson there? Like, right. Do you think that, that – does that make any sense? In like, I don't think Tampa really had that line, but could it work for the Leafs doing that? Well, the closest Tampa had to it was, you know, a very good line and Goudreau Coleman and, and Gord. I That's mean, like that was kind of charged. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of their image. Now I haven't seen David Kampf play a lot, but I was told twice yesterday, that guy's really good for what he does. That guy's really good. So do I think it's a good strategy? 100%. And the reason I think that is that's a million and a half dollars. It's not three million. So if that means Kerfoot can go to the wing, you've got him at three and a half. He's got to produce. He can't be a thirty-point guy. He's got to be into the forties, but he's going to be in a role that that can be produ- that he can reach. So that means you can lower Mikheyev down to where I think he's most effective. That third line, you've got to get something from them. Like you know, you can't have three goals, six goals, four goals. Like that's not enough. You, you've got to get something from them. They have to give you minutes that you can count on. They have to be able to, um, they have to be able to play with pace, which certainly Mikheyev can do. Um, but if you're, if your third line center is David Kampf, you, you're relying on your top two guys, right? To carry all of your offense. And that's okay. But he's got to be able to do that at that price point. So I think, yes, that's a, that's a signing that nobody's going to jump up and down and say, hey, look at David Kampf over here. But I think he can be a really effective player for them, in particular in the price point that they have him. All right, Ray. We Good. so appreciate you taking time. It's like the middle of the morning there. Like it's – can't believe you're up this early. It's but. seven. It's, yeah, well, here's, here's the deal. We got a new puppy. Um. Oh man, are you guys dog guys? Yeah, I am not. But I don't have no. a dog. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, then you're not a dog guy, Joel. We well, had a dog when I was How a kid. Can you be one if you don't have a dog. Yeah. Okay. Great. I, I had tax <laughs> skates when I was a kid too. I don't have that either. Um, so we got this puppy, really cute little guy. Ollie's awesome. 
he kind of he's got some odd hours. So this didn't <laughs> seem like a a bad time to do this because I got you know I got a busy day ahead I think. But last night was the first night Ollie slept wire to wire, <laughs> and I had to get up. My alarm went off to wake me up, to, and I'm like, "Oh man, this is the night he sleeps." I could have slept in. <laughs> Not today. So well, everything's thanks, good. Thanks for setting I, the alarm I, for us, Ray. Yeah, you bet. Wouldn't miss it, right? You guys, hey, you guys. I uh, I had a great uh, had a great time. It's always awesome talking to you, and uh, I hope you and yours have a a safe and and uh, and fun summer, and um, look after yourselves and your families, and we'll be at the rink soon. Enjoy August. Thanks, Ray. Be well, guys. Peace out. Okay, James. That was obviously awesome. Ray's the best there there is. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's delve a little deeper into some of the moves that the Leafs made. I should clarify. Are they worse from last year? A little worse from last year? I think so. Were they better last year than the year before? Yeah. I mean, the defense like took a, a big step, but you you can pivot. Like you, they're not getting cut away every year to where they're like they had this super team three years ago, and they're diminished now from there. I, I think it remains to be seen if they're worse than last season and to what degree. Well, obviously, but like you can't look at their. There's lots of parts of their roster that are like giant question marks. Like the idea of David Kampf on the third line, yeah. I need to see it. Like I need to see in a playoff series if that works. I need to see if they can get enough offense from those bottom two lines because I look at those bottom two lines and I say, are they going to have the same problem as last year? I look at the goaltending and I say, do I know like what they're going to get from either of those guys? No. Do I know what they're going to get from the third pair? Not really. I'm not sure there's a team in the NHL where you look at it and they don't have any holes and you're like, well, that team's that team's going to win. And so that's a really important point. And what I'm trying to catch myself on is like, do we pick apart these things too much? And does it really, like it really is just going to come down to are their, their, their best players going to be their best players when it matters. And it, and maybe that's all that matters. Like, like where would you say the Leafs are going to finish record wise league wide next year? Same as last year, like five, somewhere between four and seven, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like they're still, they're still a good team. Mm, you know, no doubt. I think the only way it works with a third line that's like Engvall, Kampf, and, and Mikheyev, uh, that line's not going to score a lot. Like, there's, it's just not. Like, maybe, maybe they'll get, you know, a little. The only way that it really works is your first two lines are really clicking and putting in goals, but also your other line, if you want to call it the fourth line or your, your other line in the bottom six has to be able to produce some offense. You've got Jason Spezza there as a piece. Um, if they can bring in another forward and bump them down, I think someone like Bunting could play on that line. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, maybe we have the making of a fourth line. And I don't even know if I want to call it a fourth line. Like I I think sometimes like we're talking about like, oh, like Kampf can't play on the third line because the third line needs to be this and this and this. Well, you just you need your forward lines to accomplish the goal. You don't need the third line to do this and the fourth line to do that. And 
I mean, you can use them for different purposes. If the third line's playing 12 or 13 minutes a night and the fourth line's playing 10 or 11, it's not that big of a difference. No. But but I think it's making an assumption about the quote-unquote fourth line. Like, I don't know what they're going to get offensively out of Simmons, Spezza, Brooks, whoever else is on that line. Like, they might, maybe they can get something. And, and I think there's a difference that we forget to focus on is what can be sustained over 82 games, like can even itself out, is different in the playoffs. Like, when you get into a playoff series, to expect that you're going to get a lot offensively out of a line like that, I think is is a reach. I, I just don't. And that's like, it comes back to the, their, their top two lines. Like those two lines have to be so good. And this is like a point our buddy, Chris Johnson makes like Tampa won two years ago because like that, that top line was just exceptional. And you and I would counter and say, well, they did get contributions from the rest of the lineup. But for the Leafs, if, if Matthews and Marner or whoever, and the, and Neander and Tavares, if they're so good, Maybe it just doesn't matter. Like maybe it doesn't matter if you get nothing offensively out of those bottom yeah, two lines. There's no question, Jonas. But that's not what the that's like. That's not what they could work on this off season, right? Like all they could try and address was the other parts of the roster yesterday in free agency. No doubt, and that and we're looking at that, and and or I'm looking at that and saying like, is it is it enough? And and I don't know. Well, I look around the league, and it, like there are not very many contracts where I'm like, oh, they should have signed that one. <laughs> no, that's a lot true. of them. It's like, like the thing is, the Leafs were trying to get some of these. Like they knew that what the number was going to be on a lot of these players, and they're like, no thanks. Like they knew what the number was going to be on Granlund. They're like, I don't. We don't want to give him four years and five million dollars. If they did want to do that, he would be playing for the Leafs. Yeah, but then the the the, the end result, like, is you just end up with the guys that they got. Like you you don't. That's like I get it. I do. I wouldn't sign those contracts either. But there, it just means your team has question marks, and and maybe they would have had question marks regardless. There's a lot of negativity around this team right now, and as I said on the podcast last week, it's fans are 100 percent justified in being frustrated, and you know, in some cases, tuning the team out. And but this is still you know one of a top six, top seven team in the league. And and the puzzle that Kyle Dubas and the front office have to figure out is how do we make this team better? How do we give them something a little bit more that can can get us there? And they weren't able to do it in free agency. They weren't. You know, I think probably at best this team's as good as the team that last year on the on the roster. Um, but I also think that what they're doing is incomplete. They they still have room and need to add another forward. Uh, the question is, where are they going to find that player? Like, like Michael Bunting's not going to be on the first line for the whole season. You wouldn't think so. That's In not, an ideal that, world, that w- that's not the case. So, if he's not on that first line, he's either on your checking line with Kampf or he's on that fourth line that I'm talking about or, that you're going to want some Or he plays with Tavares from. and Neilander. Like, I, who knows? Right. One of the, the big questions, I think, that I have is is in goal and I, and I get what they're trying to do. And like, as you pointed out, the goaltending market was like insane, but this kind of goes back to like the, the off season before where they, they chose to kind of be or go with the status quo. And like, there's a, that ends up being a, a cost because now you have to go into free agency and, and kind of overpay for Morazic. And I don't I don't know, James. Like I don't. I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't look at that that tandem and say I know what I'm going to get. And maybe like most teams will look at their tandem and say I don't know what I'm going to get. Like does well, Boston just gave four and a half million to Allmark, who I think both of the Leafs goalies are better than him. I saw one fan sent out like the tandems in the division. It's like, oh, here's you know, here's who the goalies that they. You know, and their point was the Leafs have the sixth best tandem in the division or whatever. And I looked at the list and I was like, really? Like Vasilevsky's better than what the Leafs have. Is any are any like well, Florida's like Bobrovsky's a tire fire, but maybe that Spencer Knight is good. I don't know. But who's a bigger question mark, Peter Morazic or Spencer Knight? Spencer Knight at this point. This is like, is this goaltending good enough to win a cup? And like, I like I think we're 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 jumping to a lot of conclusions about Jack Campbell that I think we need to be careful with. Like he played like 22 games and was sensational. But it didn't make any, they did what made sense in the moment where Jack Campbell was really good last year. So you're not going to go get a Grubauer and just like, you're not going to go get a guy that plays 60 games. It doesn't make any sense because you don't know what Jack Campbell is yet. So you, they needed to get a guy that could play half the season or more if Campbell falls flat, but they also needed, like, they, they had to get someone who allows Jack Campbell to, to play a lot next year and show what he can do or can't But then do. why not pay one and a half in bonuses to Halak? I mean, what's the difference? Like, so if Well, I, the if difference is Halak, it, his contract was for one year, one and a half, and, and Mrazek is, is 3.8 for three. That's a difference. Halak's 36 years old. Is he going to be able to play the 40 games if Campbell doesn't play well? He's played like 40 games the last few years in Boston. And also, if you do the bonus structure that Halak's got in his deal, he's going to be making $3 million this year anyway. I mean... For one year. And then you can sort out. Like, I, I don't know... I don't know if I love the idea of, like, I get it. Like, either you give him three years or you don't get him. I mean, the, the, like, that contract's better than almost all of the other goalie contracts that were signed around the league. Like, there were, there were a lot of really terrible... Goalie, you like Chris Dreger? I guess we'll see what what he does in Seattle. I at least at least with Morazic, he's played. Was he played three hundred NHL games, two hundred eighty or something? I said this to you yesterday when we were talking on our our Slack chat. I like we know what Morazic is. Like he's he's twenty nine years old and he's played you know over almost three hundred NHL games. There's no mystery there. Like I, I'm not going into the year being like like Morazic's not going to win the Vesna. No. And he's not going to be, he's probably not going to be brutal. I mean, I know he's been inconsistent and all over the place, but he's a guy like Ray said, who can get hot, who can get cold. He's, he's a tandem guy and that's what they needed right now. Like they needed somebody that could play 30 or 40 games and we'll see what Jack Campbell does. Well, so, the, but the question is like, is that going to be good enough in the playoffs? Like what if, what if Campbell has, comes back to earth a bit and Mrazek is, is Mrazek where he's good, he's bad, he's good, he's bad. And like you get into the playoffs and you're looking at your goaltending and you're really like, do I trust either one of these guys? Well, I mean, the Blues won the cup with Bennington. I mean, like the goaltending is like, it's, it's so difficult to, to forecast, it's really, really tough. Which is why so three unless, years is a commitment. Un unless you have a Vasilevsky, then you're stuck making a bet on two guys and hoping one of them has a great year. I think that I've been saying that for a long time that that's what they should do. Like, I never liked where it was Anderson and they're going to play the crap out of him. He's going to play 67 games. And then you got another guy that can only play 15 games. Like, that to me, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You, I would much rather have a situation like this where you have both guys that can play 40 and if they have great years, you'll play them 50. But there's like a, a you, gift and a curse with that. Like you can get into the playoffs and look around and be Carolina and be like, I don't think our, like we have any guy who's good enough. 
it's, <laughs> it's really tough. Like it's a, it's a brutal position because like you're, you're basically just like rolling the dice every year, unless you have one of those, I don't, I don't even know how many guys it is. Like even Connor Hellebuck kind of had an off year by his standards last year, right? Like there's no, there's no, there was no bonafide number one for them to get. Unless you think Grubauer was the answer for them. I mean, they couldn't pay the price that the Colorado played for Kemper ultimately. Like they don't, they don't have the prospects. Um, and that's a lot to pay for like one year of a guy. That was a, that was a big price. That, that was Colorado scrambling after not being able to get their guy to return. And for people that didn't see it, Darcy Kemper from Arizona went to Colorado and in the end, the Coyotes look really smart for waiting because they've been asking for a first-round pick for Kemper for a year, and they haven't been able to get it. They get the first-round pick. They get Connor Timmons, who's a who's a second-round pick defenseman who who looks like he might be potentially be pretty good. Yeah, um, that's a lot for and 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 they retained a million of salary. I mean, I I would have liked Kemper better than Morazic, and I would like that there's only the one year, but. So much to give up to get him for one year. Well, but like you could have given up and th- like, we don't know exactly. This is just what's been reported that they could have given up a first round pick last off season and had Kemper for last year and for this year. And yeah. like in hindsight, that looks like a, a decision they should have made. Well, and they- yeah. I mean, people that have been listening to us a long time. Like we, the thing we didn't like about last off season was the decision with Anderson. We, we did not think it was the right thing to bring him back. And, you know, Getting Kemper at that point for the first round pick, that would have been a more impactful use of that first round pick, likely than than what they did with Felino. Yes, it, it appears as such. So, well, like, let me ask you this, Jonas: If you look yeah. at what they did, this like we came out of last last year saying, like, I don't know about Anderson. Like, he struggled at the end of the year. I think it was time to move mm-hmm. on. We think they, they should have solidified that position. They got they were fortunate in that Campbell stepped up and played really really well. Yes. When we look at what they did this offseason, where what do we point to and say maybe they could have done that differently? It's a good way to frame it. What could they have done differently? Well, what they could have done differently is I mean, who knows what what trades are available? Like I was as you know, I was like 800 words into a Connor Garland trade offer sheet story and that blew up. Um so who knows? But to me, like it, it again, like it, it's hard to keep harping on this, but it, it all comes down to like their decision with those core guys, like that that kind of ties your hands a little bit. And I get it, like you know, like I I I was in favor of signing those guys on, like I thought stars make it worthwhile, and to this point, it hasn't proven to be the case because their stars have just not delivered in the playoffs. And so now I'm wondering, like, can it actually, like, can you actually build the rest of the team with those commitments up top? And and I don't know, like, now you look ahead, James, and it's like, how the how the hell are they going to be able to pay Morgan Riley? Whether they should or not is another question. Like, I don't know how you can now pay Morgan Riley more than he's making and still continue to improve the team. Like, Jack Campbell's going to need a new contract next year. If if he has a good year, he's going to make more. Like, it's it's just really hard to see how it's going to get better unless like those guys are exceptional which is like which is possible right like there's a a a real possibility that in a playoff series matthews is just unbelievable scores five goals like we've seen it before i mean they're the year 11 million dollar guys it's like ray was saying like it's it's like three players right it's two two really good players or your 11 million dollar guys have to be really really special so they have to be awesome yeah 
and, and we haven't we we haven't seen that. You know, they haven't they haven't elevated. And well, James, you know what? Like, so I was watching Game Five back yesterday, and like it it reinforces for you a or reinforces for me how good Neander was. Like, he's exceptional. Um, the Matthews line, at least for the the first half of that game, they like they had stuff going. They just didn't score, and obviously they didn't have Tavares. Wasn't the first period in that game like really tentative and kind of like the Leafs just sort of? Well, they got scored on, and that and that's the other thing that I came out of Jack Campbell. Those first three goals against Jack Campbell were not goals he should give up, and that's like that's something that kind of I feel like got glossed over by the fact that those top guys didn't deliver. And I, and I know like James, like they'll say, well, we didn't have Tavares for like the whole series, but that's like part of this. Like when you, when you're so top heavy, if one of your guys gets injured, like you, you just don't have as much support because you, you don't have the money. I guess I look at what they did and, and I like, I like the Michael Bunting signing. Like I, I've been watching him and I, I think he can be something. I don't know what, but like, that's all you can do in free agency. James is like, you can just spend a million, a million and a half because that's all you can do. And like, sometimes it's just going to be VC and Boyd and like, you're going to get nothing. It's interesting. They chose to, they had $10 million to spend and they had, you know, two or three openings at forward. They needed a seventh D and they had a goalie opening and they had the 10 million and they, they looked at it and they're like, we're going to spend 40% of that on the goalie. Yes. It's that, that says to what you're talking to, where they're not a hundred percent sure on Jack Campbell. Like they're, they knew they needed some insurance there. They knew they needed somebody that potentially they would have to count on. And and I think the thing too that to keep in mind is that if if both Campbell and Razik aren't the answer, they're gonna have to make they're gonna have to look for a goalie and you know during this oh during boy. during the season. So anyway, bring bring oh bring boy. bring back big save Dave. <laughs> Michael Hutchinson. Oh man. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, James. Uh, free agent signings. So let's start with Morazic because he's the big one. I, I, I think you're more in line with this than I am, but I get it. Like you can, you're choosing from not great options. You, you kind of just got to grab a chair. Like it's like musical chairs. I would have right? tried to get Flurry. I wonder what Chicago wants for Marc Andre Flurry. I mean, the, the other team's gonna got to retain some of that salary, but yeah. So how would you do it? Like. Chicago paid nothing, but Vegas didn't retain. Say to Chicago, retain three million, and we'll give you. I don't know. You like any of our prospects that aren't Sandine? Yeah, I mean Flurry's yeah. thirty-seven years old, but I mean he he won the Vesna last year. So uh, I thought that, you know when we went through the goalies and looked at it, I thought that the Vegas situation looked really interesting. Kemper looked interesting. Um, it did. Let's ask that. Would you have preferred they they had gone? Like paid something to get Flurry, and then figured out the cap situation somehow. Like, is would that be like to me? That's a more. Mm. But then that means like they can't bring in a seven million dollar goalie. I mean, like the only no. But like, what if you can get it down to 
I guess Vegas isn't going to want to retain, right? That's the point. Well, he's in Chicago now and he doesn't want to play there. So, I wonder if he could go to his agent and just say, does he want to play in Toronto? Because we can like try and... If Chicago will retain two and a half or three million dollars, we could try and make something happen. But so you're okay with Mrazek? I guess you're not like super okay with the contract, but like, what are you going to do? He's like, he's a middle of the road option. And I, th- I think you have to look at what the options were on the table for them. The goalie market was, it's funny, you know, a lot of people said going in, there's so many goalies available. There's probably going to be some that shake loose that don't get a lot of money. They all got lots of money. All the goalies got paid. Sort they, of. Like, like the, the lower end guys, like the, the problem is like, so like, okay, you don't want to spend. Francois got two years at yeah, 2.4 million. The, the, the contracts are ridiculous, Jonas. Like there's no one, there's no goalie there that, that got a contract that, that was good. The Mrazic one is like, it, it's not great, but it's not terrible. Well, so let me ask you this. Would you rather, so another guy who was out there who didn't have a, who hasn't had a great year in a while. So would you rather have Holpe for one no. year at two or no. Mrazek for three point eight at three? Holpe, Holpe's done. Point eight. Done. He's, yeah. he's he's been bad for four years. So that's the choice. I would rather have Mar- uh, Halak for one year than even if it's at three than Mrazek at three point eight for three. I think I probably the the decision is that Mrazek's more likely to be able to be your starter if he needs to be, whereas it's going to be pretty tough to ask Halak to be the starter. Yeah, I think that's that's for reasonable. Like Fifty games. Yeah, and I don't know if Halak wanted to come to Toronto either. I, yeah, that's fair. I was. Then that's like that's an that's an underplayed point that you brought up to me that we have to remember is like who knows what some of these players wanted to do. Like Kyle Dubas may have reached out to multiple guys that they couldn't get, and those guys said, "Yeah, we're not we're not coming to Canada for." obvious reasons right now, which aren't to me, like aren't great reasons, but like, Hey, people can do whatever they want. Yeah, there are. I'd be, I'd be interested if you asked all the GMs, of the Canadian teams, how much harder it has been to, and it's always, you know, it, it, there's, we, we, we've said this for years that it's hard for a lot of the Canadian teams to get players. You know, they, they want to play somewhere warm. They want to play somewhere exciting. They, you know, I was actually encouraged to see Winnipeg had a pretty good off season and like it looks like their team's going to be stronger next year cuz you know good for them. Yeah. They improved their defense with some interesting moves and The Jets could be one of those teams like you look at what's happening in Columbus or Buffalo and you keep getting players and then they leave and you're just never good and you're on this like cycle to nowhere. Like th- that's a danger that could happen in a place like Winnipeg, but it it you know I know that they haven't won and I know there's frustration in that fan base, but it looks like they're they're able to retain a lot of players at least. Well, and you and I, so you and I talked about Paul Stasny and we both thought he'd be a good fit. He cost, what did he cost? 3.8 or Eight? something? Yeah, yeah. So like 3.8 yeah, gets signed him. I yeah, would have signed, signed that deal for sure. But that's the yeah. thing, James. Like 3.8 gets you Paul Stasny, 1.5 gets you David Kampf. Like that's, yeah. that's them's the breaks, right? Like you, you just, you can't win. All right, who, who's next? Who's next, well, Jonas? Well, we can talk about Kampf. Like, you li- you like the idea. Offensively, he's not going to give you anything, and that's not the point. Like, you're acquiring him to just get buried in the D zone. Like, you look at his, his offensive zone start percentage, it's like 32, 34, 35, and I guess that will be the idea. I mean, they might even make it less than that. Like, they might get – there were stretches where Chicago was playing him, like, 18% of the time in the <laughs> – you know, in the offensive zone, so – 
Um, the idea, the thing I like about that idea is it means more offensive zone time for the other lines, for, for Spezza, for, for Matthews, for Tavares, you know, and they haven't had, they haven't really had a center that they could do this with where they could, it's almost like, it's like the Manny Malhotra. Like when Manny Malhotra was playing with the Sedins, Malhotra took every defensive zone draw in that year that, that, uh, was it Daniel or, Hen- Daniel or Henrik, I think, you know, won the Hart Trophy. Manuel Holcher was was taking every single defensive zone draw. And the thing that Kyle Dubas said that that caught my attention was it's not just that Kampf can take a lot of D zone draws, it's that if he doesn't win the draw, or even if he does, what they saw in the data is that uh, when Kampf is on the ice, they seem to have a lot of Chicago had a lot of success at getting the puck down to the other end of the ice and, and getting an op- offensive zone draw. So that's that's what they were looking at with him. That they feel like he's going to be able to give them. I think it makes sense. I, I we'll see how it works out. I mentioned bunting. Um, I think there's potential that he can score a bit. Obviously, he's not going to score like he did last year. But like you watch his goals, James, and like he's always around the net. Like you watch his shifts, and like he just goes to the right to the front of the net, and he's just like causing shit around there. And like I, I understand that he's kind of a chirper, and like. I think he can potentially be a guy who moves up and down. And obviously that's like why they traded for Nick Foligno last year to be that. And maybe he can just be like a younger, obviously he's not the defensive player that the Foligno is, but maybe he can do, give you some versatility that way. Maybe. For yeah. Cheap. I mean, I, I, I don't know what Bunting's going to be. He's you're, you know, it's funny. Like we, we, we talk about, you know, Hyman being underpaid and, and everything he, like they got him for nothing. I guess they got they got him Greg for Greg McKeg. They got him for Greg McKeg. I mean, if if they could pull another rabbit, that's kind of what's one of the things that's been lacking the last couple of years is they haven't been able to do that again. Like they haven't it's been able to fucking just fucking hard. You know, it's, there's a lot of smart organizations that are looking for those guys, and you know, it's they they need to find those guys that are 24 years old in the AHL that are going to break out, and that's what they're hoping that Bunting's going to be and. Kind of like what Florida did with uh, Verhage last year. Like it's well, Joey Anderson's a guy that they hope can be something at some yeah, point. Maybe I mean he's more of like a he's a bottom he's, line kind of. Yeah, player. he would be a fourth liner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you take a chance on bunting. Uh, any thoughts on Amadio, Gabriel, Biega? Like Dahlstrom's going to be a Marley. Uh, well, Dahlstrom's played quite a bit in the NHL, right? Like he's played- just not last year. He's going to be a yeah. Marley man. Dahlstrom looking, his like underlying numbers or analytics actually were better than Biega, but Dahlstrom's a left shot. And I think they were just looking for some experienced guys that don't mind playing in the NHL or the AHL. And, you know, Biega, the decision for him is because the Marlins are in the same city as, as the Leafs. So he doesn't have to move. He, he's 33 years old. He doesn't have to move his kids all around if he gets sent to the minors, which is what was happening to him. When he played for Vancouver, he was in Utica and he's like on the other side of North America. And he's got <laughs> kids like that. So that's an advantage to the Leafs to have the Marlies there is that they can get a veteran guy like that or two veteran guys like that. And at least they're in the same city. Um, Biega and Dahlstrom both look like they're good on the penalty kill. They're limited minute guys. They're not going to play. Well, you know, maybe Biega you, plays a little bit, but like, there's going to be injuries, Jonas. Like, they they don't have if they have two injuries on D. What's the what's their like? Let's say. Well, I guess that's true. Yeah, I'm like Riley and Hall are hurt. What's your blue line look like? It's not good. 
<laughs> it's not. Well, that's like, why. That's what those guys are there for, though. Like you're gonna have the Leafs have had. They, they did. Leafs did not have stretches last year where this happened, but the year before they had stretches where they had three defensemen hurt, and you have to be able to weather that storm, and you have to be able to put guys in there that are not going to be overwhelmed. And we saw how that went a couple years ago. It did, did not go well. It would not go well. It would not go well for like most teams. You lose top two of your top four. You're, but that's you're why they got be, those guys. Like you sure, know, fans yeah. were making fun of it and whatever. But like those guys are like depth insurance in case well and that's why like timothy logan like we don't talk much about him but like it would be great for them if he could just be okay as like a third pairing defenseman like it would help them in that kind of situation and maybe he can be who knows like it just hasn't shown up to this point um amadio gabriel those guys just kind of feel like extra forwards to me maybe marley's yeah, Amadio's a guy that the Kings were working on to try and improve his skating and, and he was kind of a project for them the last couple of years and they didn't feel like he really made enough progress. The interesting he's he's from the Sioux. Um and wow. Kyle Dubas Kyle Dubas was his agent. When when Dubas was an agent before he was the GM of the Greyhounds. So we're going back like what is that, like seven years or no? Before he was in the I mean like we're going back a long way, ten years. So they've known each other for a long period of time. Uh, the scouting report on Amadio is that, that talented offensively. He was a really, really high-scoring junior, uh, good on the power play, but he's a depth guy. I mean, he's he's someone that if the same kind of thing with Piega and Dahlstrom, if you have a center that's hurt and you need another center, you've got Amadio as a guy that can come in and be your fourth-line center or your third-line center and, and and be fine. Like, he was, he was playing, in some cases, quite a few minutes for uh, – he was playing with Jeff Carter at times in L.A. So, uh, yeah, yep. Gabriel, big, you know, low minute, fourth line guy. Um, very kind of interesting personality. Uh, he's been very, very good on social media. He's he's active in a lot of kind of um, social justice causes and things like that. So, you know, you and I were talking, I mean, he could be, you know, maybe he's, he's potentially, he, he's a local guy. I think, he, is he from... He's from Newmarket, is that right? He's from somewhere around in the GTA. Um, but I think he could be kind of like, maybe he's the next Rich Clune kind of captain of the Marlies, um, play a little bit with the Leafs, you know. The other one too that, that we should talk about, Jonas, that's interesting is Josh Hosang is going to be coming to training camp. Yeah, well, that's a very kind of Kyle Dubas move to try to get a guy who obviously is talented and just it hasn't worked out. And maybe you strike. Like, obviously, we saw it with Gail Chenyak last year. Do you think it's... Are you interested at all by the fact that that he... Maybe he will be re-signed, but that he has not been re-signed? Mm. I get it. I don't honestly. know if... He, I don't know if he's looking for a different situation or the Leafs just feel like they didn't... Uh, I, I do not know. think he's looking for a different situation. Like, my understanding is, like, he liked it here and he liked how they treated him. Right. And the Leafs just... I mean that one. Play I just don't know how you can trust him. Like I, yeah. I just don't. And like you could bear. Well, when like they, you could, yeah. When they got him, I was like, this guy's a fourth line player who might be able to contribute on the power play. And then they played him on the second line. It's like okay, like I know he's got offensive ability and he made some nice plays and like they put a lot of work into him. But if you can't trust him, which is the problem that other teams have had, like he just they they couldn't trust him with the puck in in key situations or his decision making. Yes. Yeah. It's tough, like, when you can only play a guy on one line, which was the second line, and, like, that's a really prominent position to play a guy you don't trust. So, 
I mean, maybe that's just Kerfoot next year. I guess we'll see. Um, any like closing thoughts? I, I just kind of, I hate to bring it back to the, the four guys, but like, that's the bet that they're making. And I yeah, don't think it's like a uh, crazy bet, but like, I just Jonas, like, let me interrupt you. Cause like, like we've, we've made that point on this podcast, like so many times. And like, like, yes, Tavares is overpaid by what are like, what are we, one and a half, $2 million. Marner's overpaid by one and a half, $2 million. I don't think don't, Matthews yeah. is overpaid. I don't think Nylander's overpaid. No, I don't think that. But James, like, t- sorry, but that's not the point. It's it's like there are ramifications for not figuring out a way to get those guys onto more team friendly contracts, and these are the ramifications. Like, and and it it can still work. Like that's that's the part that I think gets lost in all this darkness around the team right now. Like, there it can very well work. The, like Matthews is maybe the best player in the league. It can work. My issue with this is that there have been many teams that have won the Stanley Cup with a lot more wasted salary cap space than whatever we want to argue they've wasted on Tavares and Marner. You know, okay. like yeah, that's fair. If if your biggest inefficiency is you're overpaying your star player by a million and a half dollars, that like that's not the only problem on this team. I actually think that the biggest problem for the Leafs overall is they don't have enough coming. That's the other drafting has really hurt them. We haven't mentioned that once on this show. Like, yes, th- we have th- in other shows, just no, not no, this on, particular on this, show. On this episode, we've you know we we say again and again and again that Tavares is making too much money, but they they don't have anyone coming. That's I've mentioned have, this repeatedly. They do, but maybe yeah, not on this know. podcast. Yeah. I, I just think today, what happened in free agency and what the lineup looks like, it reinforces again. You know what's funny? Like I, I meant to say this when we were talking about Tampa and they lose their they lose that line that was so good for them. You look closely at what Tampa has coming, and it's like, oh boy, like they have replacements coming. Like they have three forwards and a defenseman who I think can all play in the NHL next year and potentially can play in the third line and 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 on the third pair yeah. and and fill the roles that they've got there. Like I I really like the look of of you look at their AHL team and it's like a whole bunch of these guys are interesting. Well, isn't that like Matthew Joseph just going to be yes. Barkley Goudreau like and do it even, for nothing? I, yeah, and I'm not. I'm not even. I mean, he's probably better. He might be better than Barkley Goodrow, but like you know. Yeah, but uh, to your point, like they they have been the best drafting team in the league, and that like they're some of their stars are not first round picks. They've got Most this of their Alex stars. Bar Boulette, who looks really really interesting. Who's been a point of game guy for for years now. They've yeah. got um, on defense. They've got Cal Foot who can step in. They've got Ross Colton who played for them in in the playoffs and moved up. Yeah, when, he was when, good. When Cloran was hurt, they've got a whole bunch of these guys, Jonas. Like, if well, you the other at- advantage to that, James, is they can trade them. Like, they traded two of their first round pick prospects to get Ryan McDonough. Like, mm-hmm. it helps. Like, it. Well, it the just- funny thing about that trade is the guys they traded to get Ryan McDonough did not turn out. So they, like, they traded the prospects that they obviously didn't like what they were seeing. It, it looks like they like sold low on those guys, and they kept the prospects that they feel like are still going to be something. Yeah. Yeah, Matthew Joseph's a good one. Like, I don't think I he like hasn't dude. he hasn't gotten his due, but I think that as he, I mean, he's 23, 24 years old. He had he had twenty points, but I think that as he figures it out, he's going to. I mean, he only yeah he only played six games in the playoffs for them. I mean, so like next year he's going to be a guy that is in the lineup, an everyday player, and and to your point, that's how that like ideally that's how it works. You lose Zach Hyman, and you just have Zach Hyman, or like not. 
the fully realized version, but like a, a decent replacement internally that you just move up. Well, look at those like mock that. rosters that we had in our stories yesterday with like you did one on bunting and I did one on uh, kind of like the overall picture of what happened with them. And you look at the, you know, we're in cap friendly and we're playing around with the roster sheet and the, like they don't, the Leafs don't have anything, you know, like the fans are, 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 are clamoring for Robertson to play in the, in the top six. I don't, I don't think he should even be in the NHL next, like to start next season. I think he should be in the AHL. Yeah. So you look at their who's a homegrown cheap player on their roster that could break out and be good for them, and there's only one. There's one player. Is that Sandine? Sandine. I mean, unless unless Dermot, unless you think Dermot might might break out and and play higher in the lineup, there's no one up front. There's not a single player up front that's a homegrown cheap contract. I mean, unless Engvall goes off and scores 20 goals or something like there's, <laughs> yeah. like there's just, yeah, it hurts to me. That hurts more than you're right though. I mean, like Marner's making 2 million too much. Tavares is, I mean, Tavares is a UFA. He always, he always end up paying more with UFA. So but but I don't, that's a, that's a very important point to make to round out. And that's like, it's not those players fault. Like it's not their fault. Like the, the the team signed them to the contracts. Like it's up to, and Kyle Dubas has said that, and I think he even said it right after they signed them. It's up to me to fill out the roster around them. And like the returns so far are mixed and, and not drafting well enough. Like Dubas hasn't been around long enough to like really hammer him for his drafts. Like it's too soon, but this stretches back to 2014. And like, that's when Shanahan took over. So that's when you can kind of hit them for that fairly, I think. It hurts them. I mean, it's just like if you want to be the best team in the NHL, you got to nail almost everything. And what happens a lot, especially I think in Canada, is that the star players get blamed over and over and over and over again. And oh yeah, that's fair. It's crazy most of the time. Like that said, they they they, they have to produce in the playoffs next year. Otherwise, like this is this is the last stand for the core. Like this is this is it. Those four guys aren't going to be back if they fall on their face here. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun. Um, go to theathletic.com slash leaf report. Uh, if you haven't signed up for the athletic, we have like, there's like a million stories right now on the NHL and the Leafs. And yeah, we even have a story by Zach Hyman on our site. Yes. Zach Hyman, a uh, letter to the fans. You can go check that out. Um, check out Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun on the two man advantage edition of the athletic hockey show. I like listening to those guys, uh, catching up on what's going around, going on around the league. And that's it, James. That's all I got. Uh, so we are going to take a pause for the summer, barring something big happening. If the Leafs make a big trade or something else happens with the roster, we will we will do a podcast. But Jonas and I have some vacation coming up, and <laughs> it feels like we haven't had a break in 18 months. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, thank you so much for listening this year. We had record numbers in terms of our audience, and it's been a lot of fun to get high-profile guests like Ray Ferraro and and to really see the show kind of, I think, take the next step this year. And we're excited about you know, trying to improve it even more next year. So thanks for listening. And if nothing big happens, we'll talk to you in September. Support your local restaurants. Bye, James.